we all have with inside of us the ability to break those things that like to hang over us. Sometimes when I'm uh, just doing anything, it don't matter. The enemy will try to come to me. And what I've learned to do is this. First of all, I turn up my music as loud as possible. You probably wouldn't want to come in my room or in my house because my music is like, you know, blaring. And then I just turn around and I tell him, not today. How many of you can say that? Not today. Because he's never going to stop until you speak to it yourself. And we all need to realize that. Amen? I'd like to invite up my little mama and Lisa, who is, I'm mentoring her. I realize there's only so much life that God extends to us. Amen? This is my mom, and she does travel with us. Come on, Lily. She does travel with us. And uh, Amanda stole my thunder. I like to tell everybody that, that she's as old as Jesus because she was born on Christmas. And uh, I, always use, I always say she's 100, and everybody go, oh, you know, but she's really 94. So I'm just saying. Uh, she and my dad carried such an awesome anointing traveling around even up here, the anointing power to break the yoke. Yes. Whether it was in deliverance or whether it was in joy or whether it was in peace. They had that ability everywhere they went to make a difference. And really, isn't that why God sent us here? We're not just a blob of flesh sitting on our chairs. God chose you. To make a difference. I want everybody to say, I'm called to make a difference. I will not settle for anything less. You know, and, and I realize that. I think sometimes, even myself, I'm guilty of this, guys. We work and we pick up our identity about work. That's not our identity. And yes, yet by that comes monetary gain. But really, when it's all said and done, what have you done? I heard today on the radio, Christian radio station, and I love this station. And she, this girl was talking about running down her street. She's a runner. And at the end of the street was a box. And when she came up upon it, there were old trophies in it. Evidently, the people set it out for the trash people. And when she looked into the box, it was rusty. But I want to let you know, in heaven, there is one trophy, and his name is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that makes us great. He's the one that makes us able. There is no one else. You just didn't come up here. I, I just had to preach on, so I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> okay, I had several things that I wanted to say, but I've lost them now. Well, <laughs> you have the mind of Christ. Uh, well, I, one of the things I want to say is that I am 94 and my father lived to be 100. We had a party for him. <laughs> and the mayor of the city came and gave him the uh, key to the city. Yeah. And then he took his first airplane ride from uh, Florida to South Carolina, where right. I live. Right. And so when my father died, I said, Lord, I want to live that long. So I'm headed to 100. Oh, Lord Jesus. 
I'm still here, and God has been so good. Amen. And I want to say, Amanda, that I've never felt so much love as I have here. Now, wait a second. I'm telling you, everybody, I don't know whether they've been told to say this or what. <laughs> everybody, I felt love from. Yes. And it's, it's been a real experience. I think they should call this place the House of Love. Yes. We got fellowship down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the house of love. So, so I want you to know, keep loving. Keep loving. Because that's what God does. Jesus loves us always. And so, I'm going to turn it over to my Lisa. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Um, I've been with them for, gosh, more than 10 years. But I just want to share something with you. You know, God is good. And, you know, I've went through a lot. Um, you know, not really having a father, but I'm here to tell you God can be your father. Yes. And God can meet all your needs and provide and be that fatherly figure for you. I, I can tell you times that um, this, this family has been such a blessing to me. They have poured into my life. When you have a spiritual family, you've got something. And they have been a, more of a family to me and poured into my life. I can tell you so many different things from going through a horrible divorce and they were there. And I am so grateful yes. and thankful for them. Oh, that's sweet, Lisa. Yes. Thank you, Mama. Aren't they cute? Lisa's got all kind of names for my mom. I think it's so funny. I think we've decided to start a YouTube channel just about mom. Because really away from everything, she is hilarious. And so, um, uh, Lisa calls her Tater. You know, we're from the South. Tater. Hey, Tater, come on. Or she'll call her Pinto Bean. Come on, Pinto. <laughs> so, it, it's just fun to travel together. We're crazy. We don't care. I'm sorry you do, so we don't. Amen. I held on to that rail because I didn't want to fall down. Hallelujah. If I could have a, a few men, like one here, Zach, would you do that for me? Just stand. And maybe somebody here who wants to help me, sir. I just picked on you because you were looking. Amen. <laughs> sir, on the end there, would you help me? Yeah. Let me see out here. Whoa, now, the dude with the hat on over there on the right. That's right, you, sir. Can you stand up, please? Yeah, stand right in front. That's it, sir. Well, I really didn't mean you, but that's okay. Come on. No, come on. I've really been praying about this service. Like Lisa said, when our fathers go, what do you have? Or maybe we weren't raised by our dads. What do you have? You are raised by a mother that only knows how to do what God created her to do, right? And that was to nurture, to love, to give. But a man has so many more responsibilities, like being the priest of their household. That doesn't mean you demand that means you have to give even more. And so um, I came across this little poem. And Lisa's, I think we got enough for all the guys. If we don't, you can share one. I don't care what you have to do with it later. I just don't care. But I would hope 
that some men would take that and begin to pray that over themselves every day. So Lisa's got it back here. If all the men could stand, all the men, don't sit. Because if you sit, you don't get a gift. Hallelujah. And as we give you these things, then you can sit down. Hey, he took the whole bag, Lisa. Bring that over here, dude. Are you just a taker? Men, if you could all go get some for your group. Men, come and get, yeah, the ones I picked on. Come and get your gift. And when you get your gift, you can sit down then, if you don't mind. Because then that tells me, you see, the Lord is a gift to us. Some men really don't believe that. But God is a good provider. He provides in many ways. First of all, if you're married, he gives you a wife, okay? And uh, you may look at your wife and go, really? But she is a gift. She's a gift from the Heavenly Father to you. And she represents the bride of Christ. Everybody say the bride of Christ. These gentlemen didn't get one, did they? They're coming. Well, come on down. What about these guys over here? God bless them. Where'd my hat guy go? There he is. Come on, dude, pass him out. Hallelujah. Now, this is from me, and I want you to be blessed by that. And you don't have to open it till later if that's what God has given you. Oh, I pray we have more. Do we have more? Oh, Lisa's got one more, Jesus. Do we have any more, baby? You think you had enough? It's kind of like fellowship, isn't it? The cake just keeps coming and coming and coming. And finally you say, oh, my God, that's enough. Amen? How many guys over here didn't get one? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four. Let's bring in six. Lisa, could you go out to the car? And get six more. Thank you. And so you guys will have to stand until we get it right, okay? I'm just saying. (laughs) Boy, do I have a message for you today. Oh, I know what I want to do first. I want to tell you about my husband. Now, he's six foot four. And you would think a monster like that would have a hard time having a heart. But he's such a mush bucket. And I do believe that God has placed us together. And it is so unique. I feel like the Lord, you know, Amanda said, you know, could you just tell about how you guys operate on the platform? Oh, we do do it together. It's so much fun. And uh, it's kind of like we know each other so well, we can tag team each other, you know. And I don't even have to touch him. I just kind of go. And he knows. My husband is an apostle. Apostle, teacher. And he is definitely the teacher. I am prophetic and the mouthpiece. So, that's good at home. I use that all the time. But, (laughs) we first met in a prison ministry. But I was not in prison, okay? I just want to state that. Neither was my husband. And so, can you imagine me in prison? (laughs) Oh, I think about that all the time. Oh, dear God. So, um, I I just want to tell you uh, that we were traveling. I lived in Florida then. And we traveled from one end of Florida to the other. Florida's about 12 hours long if you go from one end to the other. And so, uh, many times, because Don was the biggest male in our group... (laughs) Sorry. They would get him to carry in all the sound equipment, okay? I'm just saying. And he would go and unpack it, and, and you know, uh, we would sing and give our testimony. One time we were all standing in a circle in Sumner, uh, Florida, where one of the hardest prisons uh, are, and uh, we were all holding hands in a circle. And in Florida, it can rain in just a second like that. It can just rain and then be gone in a second. Well, there were really no clouds or anything, but we heard 
thunder behind us. We all stood in a big circle. There was about 24 of us then, and we were all holding hands. <laughs> and suddenly, the lightning hit the ground, thank God, and then went into my husband, Don. And all of us were holding hands, and we, and we were like, Whoa! you know, like a quick shock, you know. And, um, but later, we were asked when it was running by PTL to come and sing and give our testimony and by a church in Kentucky, so we did all that. And when we were in Kentucky, we stayed in his mom and dad's home, lovely people that have gone on to be with the Lord. So, are you with me? I've been talking a lot, understand. So, um, I like to walk, I'm a walker. And if you ever see me sitting in a chair, my legs are going like this all the time because I'm a mover, I'm a shaker. And my mom, every once in a while, goes, Becky, you're shaking the whole row. I'd say, okay, I'll stop. And then I go with the other leg, you know, like I, you know, I can't hardly stop. So anyway, um, one night, all of our prison ministry decided to go out and walk. And we were singing and talking and just walking around blocks and, Dom was telling us, you know, this is where uh, we hung <laughs> a baseball. You know, we put a, a hook, a fishing hook on it, and we threw it <laughs> across the neighbors because they would always complain that the boys were um, playing ball, and the ball would go to the lady's house. And the lady got so angry that she actually went to court over it, Right? Well, now what, and they, psh, the judge said, really? I mean, you know, he just threw it out. So what they decided to do is get a, get a ball and put a hook on it. And they would go out there, and when the ball was hit, someone would throw, throw it on a fishing line over. And when the woman come out to get it, they go, me, 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 and the ball would come up anyway. <laughs> so my husband is very anointed and sweet. I call him Pookie Bear, and I don't want you guys to call him that, okay? But as we were walking, now, I've been in that prison ministry for like five years, okay? We're walking, talking, have a good time. And we were on Devonshire Lane. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Devonshire Lane. Yeah. And I told him, you know, it, it was just me and him. And I told him, you know, we really need to get back. I'm getting very cold, and I don't want, want to get a sore throat. Because in those days, I just sang, didn't preach. Just, I just sang. And um, <laughs> everybody say, Devin Shire Lane. And so he just kind of turned and looked at me. Are you ready, men? Are you ready? Men. Just you are, sir, right over there. Okay. He took off his scarf and put it around me and pulled me to him, and he gave me a kiss. Now, you guys probably think, so? Well, I want to tell you, it was like, I thought, oh, my God, what here has happened? And before I could say anything or think anything, he gave me another kiss. And I said, Don, I'm going home. All the way home, I almost ran. Uh, I cast out Jezebel, you know, and Lord, just forgive me if I've drawn him to me. Everything that I thought, right, that why he was drawn to me. But I'm going to tell you, the second time he kissed, I kissed too. <laughs> All the men say, ooh. Now, we lived in Florida, and Florida is in the south at that time, and after we became pastors, my mom and dad were on the road. Um, so let me tell you about my dad. My mom and dad were on the road, right, a lot after that, but before then, when they had the church, we would go to these ministerial meetings, okay, and only men were invited. So dad would always call up me, call me up on the phone, he'd say, Becky, 
you and your mom are going to the ministerial meeting. Today, I said, Dad, no. Dad, no. He said, Becky, somebody's got to break this, this curse of the good old boy. Somebody's got to break it. And I'm thinking, well, not me. Mom's the one that knows how to pray deliverance. I'm not going to pray deliverance on anybody, right? So I noticed that the pastors would talk, whoever hosted it. It went all around the room. And Dad then would speak. And then he would look at me and Mom, and he would say, Mom was sitting beside him, do you have anything to say? Mom said, not me. And he didn't ask me. He told me, Becky, say something. So I did. That's the way my father protected me. He saw the call of Jesus in my life. And he would cover me. One of these days, one day, this good old boy came up to my husband and said, hey, man. We'd love to start a ministerial meeting in our area, and we just wanted to invite you to be a part. He said, oh, my wife and I would love to come. And the guy stood there and said, I'm not going to an all-men's meeting. I'm not doing it. My husband said that. He said, wherever I go, my, my wife goes because she's a part of me, and it is my job as her husband to cover her, to keep her safe, to encourage her in her calling. And if this ministerial meeting is not about that, then I'm not coming. You know what that pastor did? He walked off. Men, it's very important that you cover the women beside you, that you cover the children in your life, the world is so different than when I grew up. So, so different. Sexuality is on every computer you've ever seen in your life. And it's just, it's not the same America that I grew up in. And it's sad that you have to watch your kids ride the bike down the street because you're afraid that somebody's going to take them. Folks, it's a sad day, I'm telling you. But the men in this fellowship can make a difference. Are you ready to make a difference? Well, that's good, because I am too. I want to tell you that when children grow up in society without a father, they usually grow up in poverty. Fatherless makes poverty. If they grow up with just a mother, especially a male having a mother and not a father, they grow up their entire lives feeling that they're missing someone. And that's not fair. At the time in Florida, 32% of our population that grew up and were in prison, not jail, prison, were from fatherless homes, 32%. Now it's 57%. Think about that one. Are you ready for me? The greatest role in our society is you. We, I can tell you from a woman's standpoint, I need the men in my life to cover me, and no offense, to step up. Did you hear me? I told the ladies this weekend, we are called to make a difference where we live. Everyone's got a calling, even the men in this house. I want to encourage you to take the responsibility over your family, over manhood. When a man becomes a father, father those are extended Let's look. Let's look at those things that God says from his scripture. I would like for you to go to Malachi 6.8. I'm in the, what am I in? NIV. Okay. 
I know this is my Bible. It's got my name on it. Okay. Micah 6.8, are you there? He has showed you, oh man. <laughs> he has showed you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Have you ever asked God that question? Lord, what do you want from me? Here it is. To act justly and do love mercy and to walk. Everybody say walk. Humbly with your God. The greatest representation that you can be in your family is a godly man. My husband's a godly man. I can say that. Sometimes in the evening, I'm in bed watching anything because I'm tired. But I hear my husband outside, and he's sitting on a porch. And one day I decided to look and see what he was doing. And when I opened up the drapes, because we got a, 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 a porch that goes from one end of the house to the other, and he was sitting in one of the chairs. He had his hands lifted to God, and he was crying. And he was in the middle of worship music. My friends, that's a godly man that's able to do it when nobody sees him, he thought. <laughs> I saw him. Now, let's go to Matthew 6.33. Can you go there with me today? Okay, good. Did everybody bring their Bible, or did they forget to dust it off and bring it? Okay. 6.33. Very important. But seek ye first. I want everybody to say first. The kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you well. That's easy. To seek God first in his kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. That's what happiness is built on. That's what your, that's what your priorities and your, and your priorities should be to others, to act properly. If you do not have a right relationship with God, <laughs> it's futile to think you can relate properly to others. If you are not saved, this is a good opportunity to get saved. What is saved? You've asked Jesus into your heart. And you've asked him to become the Lord and master in your life. <clears throat> and everywhere you go, you know that you are going to touch somebody. That you are going to act properly. And make a difference. One, one of our first things we did after mom and dad turned the church over to us, after a week's notice, I just want to say, we had this couple, and I knew that they fought a lot. He ran the, he ran the sound, <laughs> and she did the keyboard on Sunday mornings. They had a lot of little children. And one night at about 1130, we get a phone call. And it was the wife saying, my husband has hit me. So we went over there and we separated them. You know, again, I told you my husband's a large man. And this guy was about maybe a little bit taller than me, right, Mom? Probably about Lily's height, right? And, um, <laughs> and so, of course, he takes him outside. He kind of takes him around the shoulder and he goes forcefully outside, right? And I go in and I pray for the wife. All the kids are sitting there crying. Now, men, that should never happen. Don't you ever strike your wife. Because I'm going to tell you, any good woman, I just gave him a right hook. My husband's eyes are about as big as quarters right now. And he's saying, what did you do? I said, I gave him a right hook. 
he fell on his knees and he began to cry out that his wife would forgive him and his children would forgive him. And when he stood up, I said to him, don't you ever hit a woman. He grew up without a father. I said, don't you ever hit a woman. Your children are watching you and seeing what you are doing to her. What kind of fathers are your children going to be? And what happens to the girls? They always go into an abusive household. They marry into that. All because the man didn't act justly. It was so funny when I hit him. It was a sucker punch. I'm just saying. I thought it was funny anyway. If you are running for God, stop it. Look towards peace. Settle that matter first in your life. We, men, we can't do it without God. I mean, what were we thinking, right? Let's go to Isaiah 57, 21. Let me tell you what God says. I love this part. Is it 21? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there it is. But the wicked are like the sea, tossing which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. The wicked means those that have not turned their hearts over to the Lord. You see, I said to that young gentleman, you have not shown your children or your wife what a father in heaven is like. You have disappointed him. And that's what's happened. I'll tell you, he never hit his wife again. And they stayed in our church. And they were the best givers, of course. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> Isaiah. Oh, no, I already did that one. Ephesians 25, 33. Now, when my husband and I do marriage conferences, we laugh all the time because we know that this is God. We know that we must minister <laughs> to couples. Now, I'm not going to tell you that we're always good at it, but I know God is, right? And this is a chapter in Ephesians that start telling the men how to handle their woman. It's true. You ready? Wives, I hate this part. I just thought I'd tell you this. I hate this part. Wives, submit to your husbands as the Lord. Now, wait a second. If you love somebody, it's not hard to submit because he protects you. Did you hear me? When Don said, we're not going to go this way. We're going this way. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so we did. I knew wherever I go that my husband's with me, but that my father in heaven is with me. And if my father in heaven tells me not to do this, not to do that, Becky ain't going to do it. She's just saying. Okay, Ephesians 5. Ready? For the husband is the head of the wife as, church, as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. So also wives should, that doesn't mean have to, should submit to their husbands in everything. Man, I hate that scripture, I'm telling you. I've learned after 38 years of marriage this, that if I'm seeing something spiritually and my husband doesn't, that I just... Go in the bedroom and pray and say, Lord, either show him he's right or show me I'm wrong. Right? And also, guys, my husband's not a fighter. He's a lover. I mean, he will not argue with me about anything. 
TV channels, the kind of popcorn, the floors. He will not argue with me. Oh, it makes me so angry. Anyway. <laughs> Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When was the last time that you were willing to give your life up for your wife? To give it all up for her? Maybe both of you are walking and you see a car coming and the husband pushes his wife out of the way and he takes the brunt of it. When, oh when, are the men going to give their lives for because God gave you the woman beside you. Do you hear me? And for those young men over to my left, hallelujah, that are messing around, I'm just going to tell you, you have to love your wife the way Jesus went to the cross for her. It's a good thing. Doesn't sound like it, but it is. To make her holy, this is your job, to teach her, cleanse her by the washing with water through the word. My husband and I always read the word together. And you know what? After every sermon, we go home and we say, what did you think about the sermon day? I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. And I look back at my notes. I said, this is what impacted me. He said, you know, that impacted me too. But when the minister said such and such, I mean, it really got me. I love that when Don says that. But we always have a good time discussing the message on the way home. Not the preacher, not the preacher's wife, or not anybody else in church. We really, at this point, don't worry about that. Because God always seems to clear up messes. And we've just seen that over time, okay? He who loves his wife, I love this part, loves himself. Men, how much do you love yourself? How much, you know, you may love yourself, but you may not like yourself. You see the difference, right? I have a brother that I can tell you sometimes irritates me. I love him. And I don't have to like what he does, right? A lot of times when Don doesn't like what I do, he says to me very gently, of course, you have to realize this is after I gave the guy the sucker punch, right? He says to me very gently, honey, please, don't be this way. It hurts me. And he tells me why. Man, has he ever trained me? Anyway, after all, Whoever hated his own body, and he feeds and cares for his own body, just as Christ does the church. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Many times in that marriage ceremony, I either look at the father or the father, I either look at the man or a woman. And if they say to me, I think I've married my wife or my mother. I'll say to them, God forbid. You're to marry who God calls you to marry. Don't compare, men. If you want to live, don't compare your wife to another or to your mother. (laughs) Jesus. Well, she don't cook like my mother. Good. Why don't you do the cooking? Be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I believe that's what Don and I have become over the years. We love ourselves, but we love each other deeply. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. However, (laughs) each one of you also must love his wife and respect wives, your husband. 
You can tell when, when a woman doesn't respect her husband. You know how can we tell? The woman's always depressed. The woman's always crying in church. The woman's always hoping and believing and crying out to God and saying, God, when will this happen? When? Now, most husbands assume love is sex. It isn't. Love is intimacy. Like my husband sitting on the porch with his hands up in the air, praising God for all he's done and crying for all it's worth. Romantic actions are not abandonness of your manhood. Can we say that again? Romantic actions are not abandonment of your manhood. At Christmas time, <laughs> my husband knows everything that I wear. He knows my color chart. Ladies, do you understand that? When I say color chart, okay. What looks good on me and what doesn't. And by the way, black looks horrible on me. But I wear it anyway because it makes me skinny, okay. But, um, yeah, my husband knows my chart. He knows what kind of perfume I like. And I don't have to have the same kind all the time. But I love that smell of vanilla and lavender mixed together. I just love that. And then he also knows my ring size. He knows my shoe size. He knows my pants size and my shirt size. And that's only, that's it. I'm not going any farther. So when he goes out to get me a present, he, call, he doesn't call me and say, hey, babe, what size shoe do you wear? Hey, babe, you know, what's your ring size? Guys, he's got it all in his iPhone. He used to put it in his day timer, but now we have iPhones. So he, he knows my medications that I take. Did you hear me? He's caring for me, not just because of the way I look, but my physical body. So romantic actions <laughs> are not an abandonment of your manhood. Open the car door for her. When she sits down, pull out the chair. Listen, guys, I want all the young men in here that aren't married, stand up. That are not married. Do you want a wife? Then stand up, dear God. Oh, my Jesus. You dudes need to get married. Uh, you guys need to pray. Pray godly women into the church. Pastor told me one time, he said, man, I just hate it when we have all these women in the church and there's no husband or there's no mate. He said, I don't want to do an all singles thing. I said, look, it's better to find a wife in a church and not in a bar. Right? Are you listening? Whenever you see a woman, whether you're single or not, women seem to get really, I'm just going to say it, turned on. When you open the door for her, right? When you pull out a chair for her to sit down, are you listening? I, a lot of times I take my mom into restaurants and there'll be a line of guys on their cell phone, click, 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 click. And I'm bringing my 97-year-old mother and they can't even get up to give their space up. They don't hold the door open for someone that's handicapped or look beside her, someone that's beautiful. They just sit there, click, 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 click. Are you ordinary dudes listening to me in the back? Okay. When she takes a bath in the bathtub, bring a candle into her. Maybe that's her secret place. Bring her an iced tea or something while she's relaxing. And when she's done with the tub water, clean out the tub for her. If you see something's dirty on the floor, for goodness sakes, pick it up. And men, don't leave your underwear flying on the, on the fans. 
There is nothing more powerful to a woman. Do you guys hear me? There's nothing more powerful to a woman than a gentleman. A gentle man. I want you to say something to yourself. Do you guys hear me? You ordinary boys in the back, do you hear me? I want you to say this. Say, I, say it, am a gentle man. Okay, put your hands together, ladies. You can sit down. In every message I give, I always like activation. Sometimes we don't know how to be activated, but I just gave you an example of that. Your sons are learning from you about how you treat other women, how you treat your wife, how you treat your daughter. Let me tell you, your kids are watching you. Sometimes mom and I, we're people watchers, and we get, we get a tickle because here's a guy, he's walking, right? And his son right behind him is doing the same thing. You know? It's so cute. But it's also a very powerful lesson to them. Amen? Love is more than provision for material things. Don't miss your children's childhood, guys, because you're working too much. There's no second chance. There is no second chance. Well, my dad never loved me because he was busy on the farm. Really? Who, who was he growing all that for? Who cooked it? Who cleaned up the table? Men, don't miss your children's childhood. Please, put down the work. Go to that ball game for a kid. Go to his school for school functions. Be a part of his life. When discipline is required, do it from love. Don't beat them up out of anger. Anger is not a good tool, men. For about... Let's see, I've been married to Don 38 years, so about 37 years of my life, I think I've conquered anger. Okay. When children and wives are, are hurt, that plus disappointment, that plus delusionment equals disconnect. You wonder why your kids won't even talk to you? You wonder why your kids don't even want to be around you? Let me tell you why. Because somewhere in their life, they've been hurt. And you're the one that can go in and say, let me pray for you. Guys, let me pray for you. The job never stops whether you're single or not. People still need to be healed. Do you agree? Okay. A godly man is a man of integrity. I can honestly say my husband's a man of integrity. So what does that mean? He walks justly and upright. And he's righteous because he knows who lives inside of him. He is an example of his children for his children. The highest elected office in our land right now is tainted by the smell of corruption. And the president himself has a notorious reputation as a liar. I'm sorry to say that. A member of the president's cabinet committed suicide rather than face life scrutiny for the things he had done in financial dealings. Whitewater used to mean a good place to go canoeing <laughs> instead of a political sewer. 
We are called to rise above that, guys. We are called to rise above that. It should permeate, permeate every part of your life, in the workplace and on this day's toil, in the home, fulfilled promises. In personal business, please pay the bills and pay them promptly. In other relationships, commit to fulfill that commitment. A godly father is a role model of God in the Jewish faith. There's a man that sits on a chair right here, every service, and he represents the Father God. Whether you're married or not, you represent men, the Father God. Over half the children in America grow up without a father in the home, often abandoned by their fathers, or the father is misaligned. The father of sexual abuse is on the rise. In the state of Florida, they have one prison for all the abusers sexually that have been confined because they've had sexual immorality. And do you know that there are more deaths in that prison by another man than anywhere else in the U.S.? We tell children God is our heavenly father. Do you ever wonder why they're afraid of God? Because they're afraid of you. Hard lesson, isn't it? God help us. Dads, are you shaping up to your God's concept of the heavenly father? They see him like you. The word of God is challenging to you to be a godly father today. Will you be a godly father? I want everybody to stand up, please, with me. And you will not be dismissed after this, but I will be. <laughs> Men, if you're near your wife, I want you to turn around and grab her hand and look into her eyes. Don't look down. Don't look at another woman if you want your eyeballs. <laughs> Just saying. I want you to see her face to face. Hold her hand and look at her. These people, I know you. Are these your sons? Are these your sons? Well, you have held hands before, haven't you? Yeah. Look into each other's eyes and say, honey, I didn't hear it. Honey, I long to be the man that you want me to be. I long to be a godly father. I will never leave you. That is until I die. And I will never forsake you. If I have made a mistake, will you forgive me? because I don't want you to carry this hurt any longer. Now lay a big one on her. Kiss her. <laughs> Kiss her till she kisses back. Amen? God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me. One day you'll be able to meet my pookie bear, and I'll bring him. Okay? <laughs>